Welcome to Reckoning. My name is Ingrid, and I'm starting this podcast to share open and honest discussions about our experiences with death. I'm hoping that as a culture, we can grow to talk about it without it being feared as a heavy, scary, and overwhelming topic. Let's talk about it more, get a little more comfortable with it, wrestle and wonder and ask questions. Let's reckon with it. We all have to deal with this aspect of life. We will lose everyone we know, and we ourselves will die. So how can we face this reality with eyes more open, with some grace, humility, understanding, and even appreciation? How can we embrace this aspect of being a human and use it as a way to grow, learn, and expand? The goal of this podcast is to turn toward these shared experiences, using our stories and collective wisdom to gain some courage and strength and skill to face it. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to and have these conversations with me. Thanks for being willing to reckon with the topic of death and dying. This interview is part of a series of seven interviews I did with classmates for a project in my end-of-life class. I'm so grateful to them for sharing so vulnerably and taking the risk to tell their story to me when some of us have only met on Zoom or only met in this one class. If you haven't checked it out yet, I created an episode where I combined all seven interviews into one, and I highly recommend listening. Jenish and um, I am a PSU student with Ingrid and that's how we met um, through a class that we have together and um, you shared about your podcast and um, the project you're doing for class which sounds really awesome and intriguing to me and I like I think immediately responded after you shared it that I would love <laughs> to be on and um, talk about my experience so thank you so much for having me. Of course. Yeah. I'm thrilled that you wanted to participate and it's, um, yeah, it's exciting to be able to connect and hear, yeah, hear your story and, um, yeah. And just have like dive into these like really meaningful conversations. So I'd love to hear about your loss or your grief and yeah, your experience with death. Yeah. Um, so I think the experience that I wanted to talk about, um, that, um, seemed most fitting. And I, I also, I went back and listened to your, um, story about your loss of your dad. And, mm -hmm. um, I like that was such a moving, um, mm -hmm. thing for me to listen to. And I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, but, um, kind of made me think of my own experience. So I lost my, um, dad when I was five. Um, I was almost six. He died on new year's, um, mm -hmm. 1999. Um, and it's so, you know, something having that experience so young, I think for me means that I've kind of always had um, like the, the grieving process is different, I guess. And it's like mm -hmm. kind of an ongoing thing that I feel like I'm still doing um, 
even now, like mm-hmm. it changes, like, you know, it, it never fully goes away. Um, so I thought I could share a little bit about that. Yeah. I would love to hear that. I, I definitely relate. It's not like, okay, there's a grieving period of three months after somebody's gone. It's like, yeah, it's this ongoing, yeah, experience in our life. Yeah. So what, what does that look like for you? So I think as far as like talking about the grieving experience, I think um, when I, when it happened, you know, I was so young and didn't understand like you know, in the moment, you know, didn't really understand or like, didn't know how to process that. And, um, I, after that happened, um, it wasn't really something that I talked to uh, my mom about a lot. Like she was pretty closed off, um, Mm -hmm. to talking about it. And it was, you know, I never went to therapy or anything like that. Um, so, uh, was kind of something that I think I, tried to like ignore for a long time and like not really think about um and and wouldn't ever really talk about and so it wasn't until I think I got into um my 20s and um I haven't really gone into this yet but like um having some of my own medical complications that are similar to what my dad had and kind of Mm. made me think more about what, you know, um, what that experience would have been for him and kind of made me feel almost more connected to him in a way. And I think mm-hmm. that actually helped move my grieving process along and kind of made me want to feel like have ways of feeling more connected to him, um, mm-hmm. even after having been so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I kind of uh, started like seeking out, um, other family members and asking them questions about him. Um, learning more about, you know, who he was and things that, you know, I, you know, just because we were never really talked about it, like, in that I just let that be, like, I let it be that we didn't talk about it, um, mm-hmm. didn't know. So I'm like 25 years old and finding out that my dad went to the same college that I did. And I didn't even know he mm-hmm. went to college and mm-hmm. um, like asking these questions and like, oh, like, I didn't, you know, I didn't know <laughs> so much and, and a lot of our similarities too that, Mm. yeah so I don't know if that's like typical that's not like grieving but it for me it was like a way of really kind of processing it and having mm-hmm. some closure with it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely I mean I think yeah I think grief can look so many different ways and yeah one of the things I think I talked about this in my experience with my dad but so, certainly something I relate to is Um, these ongoing reminders that they're not here, you know, so like, you know, the experience of going to college and not having a dad there to be like, I went to this school or like, you know, like, let me give you some advice or, you know, these like typical roles that get played that um, something that was really poignant for me was like feeling like, oh man, my, if I ever get married, my dad's not going to be there. Um, And that like would bring up a wave of grief for me. And some, it still does like at weddings, like father daughter dances, I'm just like crying in the corner a little bit. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I I definitely relate to that. And how beautiful and wonderful to hear what you're saying about connecting with him, you know, in these, in these different ways and identifying with him. Um, I think that's a really beautiful reminder that we can still have relationship with people after they're gone and still learn about them and, 
um, yeah, I, I just think that's really lovely. So, yeah. um, so, so you mentioned you have a similar like condition as he had, you want to walk us through that a little bit? Yeah. So it's, um, it's called HHT and it's a super rare, um, it's a blood disorder. So mm -hmm. our, um, uh, I guess our blood vessel, our blood vessels don't always form properly. And, um, it's, I guess, I think it's, it's hereditary. So it's a 50, 50 chance that you'll pass it down to your children. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, I think our, you know, our families had it, but we never knew, um, until actually my dad, um, had a pretty bad seizure when he was 16. Mm -hmm. Um, and he went in, um, to up at OHSU and had an MRI done, um, and they found a really large AVM, which is um, up in his brain. So it's like um, just a large like tangle of blood vessels, basically, and mm. um, that had to be operated on. But it's super rare, and they were also just kind of learning about this medical condition. Um, and we're asking him like, did, if he had other family members that had one of the like key symptoms is nosebleeds. And so then, um, well, his dad, who my grandpa also had, um, really bad nosebleeds. And so they kind of figured it out, kind of puzzle pieced together that they have, that we have this mm. predatory condition. So it was actually through my dad having this, but, um, yeah, when, so he ended up having to have a craniotomy to have the AVM removed, um, at 16 and, um, it, you know, it removed, it worked, but ever since that happened, he started actually getting worse seizures that were actually related mm. to the medical procedure itself. Mm. Um, and so, um, yeah, they just were progressively worse and worse over time. So by the time I was born, um, they, um, were pretty frequent. So like, that was kind of one of my, like, like it sounds sad, but like one of my, you know, main memories of him was just, um, having those seizures, you mm -hmm. know, we'd be, um, sitting down at the table and then all of a sudden he'd be out falling out of his chair and, mm. you know, on the floor and my sister and I would be like running to hide. And, mm. um, so, um, yeah, so I, I didn't know, um, when he passed, I, I was, you know, I was five and I didn't know yet and I hadn't been tested yet, um, for that, but, um, it was, I think a only a few years after, um, I think I was like nine or 10 mm -hmm. that I, um, had the, um, testing done and found out that I had it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, but I think that also going back to kind of that, like connected, that feeling connected mm -hmm. to him was like, um, just, yeah, like made me think more about, you know, um, who he was and like having that that shared experience for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm not too surprised to hear that like your strongest memories of him are these like seizures, you know, those are really traumatic things to witness as a little kid. And so, it, yeah, it makes sense that your brain would really hold on to that as like a stark mm -hmm. memory. Um, so, and so this is something, a condition that you have as well. So, um, 
I mean, I guess this is the question and forgive me if it's like really blunt, but does that mean that you're like at a higher risk of having a stroke or like, yeah, having seizures and, and dying at like the similar age as your dad? Yes and no. So I think, um, because, so not everyone with HHD gets brain AVMs, um, Mm -hmm. but he, he had them obviously. And I actually have, um, them as well. Mm. And, um, technology has advanced a lot. So mm-hmm. one, so it's not as high of a risk now for someone mm-hmm. with my condition as it would have been, as it was for him. And, and I, I left this out too, but my, my grandpa died two years after my dad found out about his HHT diagnosis. So when mm-hmm. he was 18, um, from HHT as well. So, mm-hmm. so I've always kind of had this like, well, and, and it was same. He had, he had a brain AVM that, um, that bled, um, mm-hmm. that hemorrhaged and, and he passed shortly mm-hmm. after. Um, so it does, it, the reality is I do have like, they're kind of AVMs can be referred to as these like ticking time bombs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, you know, I, I have them and, um, mm-hmm. think about that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is also the reality that, um, I'm lucky that my dad did get tested and, like they, they'd found out that we do have this mm-hmm. in our family so that I was, I got tested at a young age. So then I had my first, um, I had a radio surgery when I was 12 for an AVM that they found. Um, so one thing, the technology has advanced to where I was able to, um, have radio surgery done. It wasn't as invasive of mm. a procedure for that one, a lower risk, um, and they were able to catch it earlier on. Mm. Um, and then um, a couple years ago, I had found out, well, I was kind of neglecting my medical, like there's, you're supposed to get checked every mm. so often. And I hadn't done it in a while um, and didn't realize like there was any issues and found out I had um, a unruptured aneurysm in my brain. Mm. So that one definitely is also is like much higher, even higher risk than just having an AVM. Um, and, um, so that was a really scary experience too. Um, Mm. and in particular, like just feeling, um, you know, the weight of that medical condition, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. but I was able to have that treated and, um, so things are stable now. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Glad to hear that. I'm really glad to hear that. (laughs) Um, I mean, that's, it's pretty remarkable hearing like, you know, these three generations in your family dealing with the the same or like a similar issue. And, um, you know, that, that means that like death is something that kind of is present, um, (laughs) in, in your family, you know, like it's, it's present for everyone, right? Like all, all of us have that, but, um, to have it in, in more of a pressing way, I think, or, or like an unpredictable way, um, like that. I'm, I'm curious how that maybe shapes your family dynamics or had, like you mentioned, your mom maybe didn't talk about things with you too much. I don't know if you have siblings or like other family members or, or if it was just was this kind of like silent thing in your family, which is okay too, but just kind of curious what that's like. Yeah, I think growing up, 
it was really kind of um in a lot of ways a silent thing especially like I said with with my mom and I think um I think she just had a hard time with mm-hmm. her own grieving process mm-hmm. and and wasn't really sure how to um handle that with with my sister and I and you know mm-hmm. um I think I have real and and my family in general I think has been very quiet even like my dad's siblings um but I think I've kind of learned that if I want to get information or if I want to be able to talk about this like I have to be the one to ask the questions and bring it up Mm -hmm. Uh, and as I have started to do that now that I'm older family definitely want to talk about it and they they open up about it and now they know like that I want to know and so Mm -hmm. they end up um definitely you know more now they'll reach out to me and share things with me you know like um more openly but yeah it's definitely been interesting navigating that and seeing kind of that change over time Mm -hmm. yeah I mean good for you for being the one to open that up you know and and um, yeah, and sort of pull that out and, and, and bring that into the light a little bit. I think I was talking with some friends recently about, you know, this question of like, why, why is it taboo for us to talk about death and dying? Like, why, why don't we do that much in our culture? And I, I think part of it is, you know, this, like this tiptoeing, right. Of, well, I don't want to bring up a thing that might like cause somebody else some grief, Or like, I don't, even if someone's like in fresh present grief, like we're like, well, I don't want to bring up a sore subject. And so I'm just not going to say anything. And, um, you know, and I, yeah, I just think that's kind of an interesting phenomenon that like, and then meanwhile, maybe the person that's grieving is like, well, I don't want to bring it up because I'm going to dampen the mood. And, you know, so then everybody's like, you know, trying to protect each other's feelings. And in the end, like, then nobody's feelings ultimately do get <laughs> right. What we need is each other. Right. Yeah. Right. To work through it together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's definitely mm-hmm. so right. Yeah. Um, so um, I guess I'm curious, how has your, I mean, has this affected your decision-making process in your life in any way, like about, where to live or activities to do or not do or like like jobs that you're interested in and things like that family and and things yeah I think I mean it probably sounds kind of cliche but I think because I've had this in the back of my like kind of you know in the back of my mind because of my family's experience and then because of my own experience I think if anything I try to be more open to experiences and like kind of that idea of like, you know, living every day, like it could be your last. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I always am true to that, but I think that um, I am more aware of my decision-making and, Mm -hmm. and um, a little bit more, I guess, brave at times with, with some of my Mm -hmm. decision-making with the, like with that in mind. Um, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And, um, I, you know, I don't have like, there's not a ton of risk in the moment as, as things are with like certain activities. And so it's more just like doing more of the things that I love Mm. and and taking more risks. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Do you, do you have an example of, um, 
Yeah, like you had mentioned doing things that feel brave. I'm curious if you have an example or two of things that you're like, you know what? F it, I'm doing this or like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm not like a, like a thrill seeker or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I think, I think in more recent, so after my having the aneurysm, um, Mm -hmm. that kind of did just ship, like made me think more about like the way I'm doing. And I'm part of that is like taking the risk to get into the MSW program, you know, um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like move things along with, to find something I'm more passionate about there. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, like just starting to, um, take, like, I, I don't know. I think I was always the person that would like really, if I'm going to take a trip, I'm like really going to think it through and, and make sure that it is financially the best thing and, you know, mm-hmm. all that previously. And I think I've become more like spontaneous and those mm-hmm. kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know if that's a great example, but I think just in general, being more open to new experiences like that, like mm-hmm. getting out. Well, not right now with COVID. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I appreciate that. And, um, it's, it's kind of funny as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking like, wow. I mean, I guess how would I handle things if, you know, I had this, as you would put it like a ticking time bomb, like, you know, my gosh, would that change the way I live my life? Um, but the funny thing is that, you know, in our class, we did that activity where we had a timeline and you're like, try and guess where you're at, you know, like from birth to death, like where, where do we think you're at at this moment? I remember that you had talked about like, well, I have a little bit of a different, (laughs) um, you know, way of thinking about this. Uh, And what's funny is I remember doing that exercise and thinking like, I just have no idea. Like, I mean, statistically speaking, I could die of, you know, like a bus accident next week, or I could die of cancer at age 40, or I could die of, you know, like, some other complicated like heart disease at age 70 like I just mm-hmm. have no idea and so we just I'm curious, like do you think that having your like do you think that losing your dad mm-hmm. um and I don't know how old he was when that for that but like having that experience maybe made you more aware of like oh it might not be that I'm going to live to 80 or 90 mm-hmm. it might be it might be yeah. something sooner or or do you think yeah. you're already kind of thinking about that that's a great question. I think so. I think that did. So he died, he died just before his 60th birthday and I was 24. So, and I'm 30, almost 34 now. So yeah, it'll be 10 years ago um, this year. And um, yeah, I, I remember just being like totally shocked, <laughs> like completely unprepared for him to die for like anybody I knew to die um, except for like grandparents. Right. And so yeah, I think to a large degree that did like fundamentally change the way I thought about death was like, oh, this, this can happen to people around me. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Just kind of puts in the back of your mind, like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Cause I think without that or for, I don't know, I mean, not like for everyone, but I think if your experience is always that people do live until they're 70 or 80, mm-hmm. which is the norm, I think it's, easier to assume to think that way for yourself and assume mm-hmm. that and yeah for me definitely that you know obviously was not the, my experience at all because mm-hmm. just seeing someone die um at such such a young age I think just mm-hmm. naturally just made me think about it more um, right like no it could happen at any time <laughs> who knows 
such a tender age I mean to be five years old and be faced with these like yeah really tough tough lessons and like you had mentioned you didn't you didn't really understand necessarily what was going on or what was happening do you remember any of um yeah just how people were explaining things to you or um is even that sort of like I mean I I can't remember much from when I was five so (laughs) (laughs) I mean I honestly don't like I I mean I'm sure it was I'm sure someone explained things to me mm-hmm. or you know tried to help help us understand and and my sister too was um just she's two years older than me so she would have she was eight and I mean yeah I'm, I'm sure it was explained you know but it's definitely all a blur I don't even I can't mm-hmm. even remember if I I know that he had a funeral but I don't remember if I was there mm-hmm. um I don't remember it at all and so I also mm-hmm. wonder if my brain is kind of like doing these weird just blocking certain things out from that that time because sure. it was like there's this really prominent event mm-hmm. that I remember very vividly like the day of him passing and then everything mm-hmm. else is just kind of you like what you were saying earlier about the seizures, yeah. like, like I remember those really strongly mm-hmm. um, because, you know, those were such tra- like kind of trauma, I guess, experiences. So it, mm-hmm. I don't know if that just made everything else hard right. to remember, but. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. So tell me, tell me about you. So you said you remember the day that he died. What do you want to share about that day? Yeah, it is. It is interesting that I can like, like tell you vividly, like Mm -hmm. it was, um, I think I mentioned, so it was, it was New Year's day. Mm -hmm. Um, my sister and I had gotten up super early in the morning for some reason we, we were just super excited about it being New Year's. And so we were out sitting on the couch. It was like probably five in the morning. Um, and my mom comes running out of the bedroom crying and she's, she calls 911. Um, and then yeah, they, they show mm-hmm. up. Um, and, and like, I don't, I didn't go into the room at, at that time. Um, but, um, the paramedics came and I, my sister was the one like pointed them to the bedroom. Um, so, you know, we must've somewhat known kind of what was going on, but again, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just this weird memory of it, of that mm-hmm. piece. Um, but yeah, and then, um, they came, he was already, he was pronounced dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, um, a seizure and a nosebleed um, mm. in combination, which even that wasn't really talked about in my family. Mm. Like I, I knew vaguely that it was a seizure, but it wasn't until another one of like a conversation I had with my uncle in my twenties about it. And then he ended up sending me my dad's autopsy, which mm. I have on my phone. So I ended up like, you know, studying that, like, well, like trying to understand it now, but, um, right. but yeah, so that, um, at the time. And then we went to my grandma's house after, and, mm-hmm. um, my sister and I stayed there. Like I could tell you like mm-hmm. what we ate for breakfast mm-hmm. at my grandma's that morning, like all of that in detail, mm-hmm. um, of that, that experience. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So really sudden, just 
Yeah. You thought it, yeah. you're waking up to a normal, like the start of a new year and it, and it was, but yeah. And then... mm-hmm. Yeah. And it wasn't, I mean, he, he'd been obviously, like I said, had been having those seizures, but it wasn't like, it was still very sudden and not mm-hmm. expected um, for him to pass. So mm-hmm. for all of us, it was a shock. Mm-hmm. Does that, um, how do you feel about new years? <laughs> Does that, has that, yeah. What does that bring stuff up for you or a little bit? I mean, I think, um, a couple of years back was like the 20th mm-hmm. anniversary of, of him passing. And so for that one, for sure. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of in the back of my mind, just like, what an ironic day mm-hmm. to die, you know, mm-hmm. it's like starting fresh. Let's make right. Some goals. <laughs> right. Um, but I don't think about it too much beyond that. Mm-hmm. You know, I definitely think about it. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, yeah. Cause I, I know that holidays can be hard for people when they're, yeah. Thinking about loved ones and whatnot. And, um, yeah. So I, I was curious if that carried a special, yeah, significance or heaviness for you, but, um, yeah, yeah, that is, I mean, that is ironic. <laughs> yeah, that's mostly my thought. I mean, there's some heaviness yeah. and just some like, huh, that's, you know, mm-hmm. ironic. Yeah, mm-hmm. once again, you know, mm-hmm. here we yeah. are. But yeah. Um, I'm curious uh, what, what, if anything, has changed for you in terms of your spirituality, like in relation to death? Like, um, this is kind of going back to the questions around like the way you live your life, um, you know, I feel like one thing that death can like bring for us is this opportunity to do a lot of reflection about these bigger questions, like, why are we here? And what are we doing? And is there something bigger than us? And so, yeah, I'm just curious if, because it seems like something that has been so present in your life from a very young age, curious if that has evolved for you or if there, yeah what that looks like for you. Yeah. I don't know if, um, yeah, I mean, I guess definitely evolved relating to, to like, as, as I've told you, like it, it took me a long time to really like process everything, um, with his passing. And I think kind of simultaneously has been a slow progression for me as far as my, my spirituality and how that interconnects. Um, and I think, um, it was again, not until like, mid twenties that I, um, really started to think about what spirituality means for me. Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, but I kind of stumbled upon meditation, um, and, and in a way that's also been like a, a really good tool for me. Um, also kind of with that connectedness to his passing and Mm -hmm. just, you know, spirituality to me is just like this, like we are all one and like just Mm. feeling connected, um, with humanity in general. And I think, Mm. um, so I don't know that they are completely aligned per se, like, Mm -hmm. like grieving and processing his passing and in my spirituality. But I think that as I've grown in my spirituality, it also, it's helped me with understanding that, Mm-hmm. Um, is passing as well. 
Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. makes sense at all. Yeah, Can't absolutely. Really, but. No, you're not at all. I, I completely understand. It's like, as we learn these new frameworks of thinking about the world, then we apply them to these experiences like death and, and losing a parent. And it's like, oh, okay, now I have a new way of thinking about and relating to this. And as you say, I think that's so beautiful about feeling this real connection and connectedness um, to him. I think it that's partially what makes made me ask the question is like, you know, that, that to me is like, feels like a spiritual practice, um, you know, to, to maintain a line of connection to him. Uh, yeah. It's obviously not a physical connection and it's, it's not, you know, something tangible that, that any of us can see, but, um, but meaningful. So. Yeah, it definitely has. And it, yeah, I think definitely is still like, something I'm working on like growing Mm -hmm. in I guess you know it's Mm -hmm. like we said before it's never like you go through this process and then you're done you know it continues right it's not like we reach a state of like resolution or yeah people and talk about um like finding closure and it's like what are what are we closing (laughs) like (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know the yeah and I I think I understand that the concept is important to get to a space where we can be like we can move on with life and um but but anyway I think that's kind of a funny misnomer almost yeah (laughs) yeah um uh there's something else I was gonna ask oh so a couple of the things that you talked about like it sounds like that your early 20s were a lot of transition for you just in terms of the way you're thinking about yourself and, you know, your family. And I mean, I think that's true for many of us, like that yeah. our twenties are like these, yeah, identity forming moments, but I'm curious if that there's any extra significance for you in those, those years, or if there was like a specific event that precipitated some of that. Um, I, I really think, not necessarily for the most part, but I think it was maybe like pushed along more so when I was uh, 26, when I was diagnosed with the um, mm-hmm. aneurysm, the brain mm-hmm. aneurysm. And so that experience in particular mm-hmm. was related to a lot of, I think, the growth that I experienced. But I think some of it happened even earlier than that, starting to reach out to family a lot more. And, um, I think that was just more me, um, just kind of, I don't know, recognizing like what I needed, like that, that I still needed to process things and realizing there was a lot they like throughout childhood that I didn't get, um, mm-hmm. to fully make sense of for myself. And, um, so yeah, I guess yeah. not, for a lot of it, there wasn't one specific thing that triggered sure. it, just realizing like, and kind of empowering myself to start asking the questions. And Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's, um, that's pretty impressive. You know, I feel like many of us can go through our like adolescence and early twenties sort of with our like head in a bag. I don't, I don't even know what the right phrase would be, but just sort of, you know, these like um, totally naive, like, Oh, I'm just, floating through life and get caught up in these, you know, material things and these sort of like normative stories about like who we should be or what we should be doing. And so anyways, I just think that that is um, a pretty neat example of your 
um, yeah, your self-empowerment, as you said, to use your own words, like to, to ask some of those questions and seek out information. I think that's great. Yeah. I think at some point, you know, we just realize like no one, no one's going to do it for us mm. and it, you know, it has to be kind of this self journey and mm. yeah. yeah. I think for some people that happens later. And I think I was just kind of forced to mm-hmm. start on that a little bit earlier. And obviously mm-hmm. I still have plenty of room to grow, but um, True. Yeah, I think just having those experiences early makes you start thinking about it and mm-hmm. the work. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate that perspective about scale and like timeline, right. You know, that an event could happen at age five, that like, you're not maybe ready to process till age 20 or 23, you know, like, and that's not, that doesn't, that doesn't, that's our judgment on that timeline. It's just like, that's where, that's how long it took for you to be ready or to start thinking about it or, you know, to like have the right cue in the right moment. And so I think that's a really powerful reminder too, that um, like our timelines for things don't operate in the, (laughs) you know, like in our limited sense of time, they just operate in our own bodies. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Thank you for giving me the space to share and mm. really appreciate it. Celeste, I'm, I'm really grateful to you for sharing this story. I, I think it's unique in the sense that, um, you know, many of us have these experiences of losing someone And some of us have these experiences of like our own potential death or like near death. Um, But you have both. And um, yeah, I just, I'm pretty amazed at how like, I'm, I'm like really noticing how like gentle your energy is around talking about it. And um, like unruffled almost is the word I want to say. Like, I just feel like you strike me as someone that kind of takes things in stride and, and maybe that's easy to conclude from like one conversation. Um, I know we all have our like ups and downs, but yeah, I don't know. My observation is like, wow, what a strong spirit you must be to, you know, have like face these really intense things that I think many of us would be like really overwhelmed with. So yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. I don't think that it's like any particular strength that I have, but I, I think it's just, you know, the, it's just a different experience. And I think everyone mm-hmm. has their mm-hmm. own version of that. Right. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's kind of like you have no, yeah, yeah, like overwhelm for sure, but then you have no choice but to carry on. And I think mm-hmm. I'm also, um, going back to like, the meditation and and mm-hmm. like getting in touch with the spirituality of it like I think trying to I've, I've tried to learn to see it as um kind of like I'm grateful for like just having gratitude mm-hmm. for having those experiences because I think mm-hmm. um they've helped me be able to like kind of be there for other people through their own griefs and their own losses and mm-hmm. in a, in a way that maybe I wouldn't feel prepared to and so trying to use it as a strength I guess yes yes absolutely we take these it's like alchemy we take these really difficult and 
stressful situations and we, yeah, we use them as opportunities for growth and then to help other people. I think that's, yeah, that's beautiful. Well, I think you're going to do a great job in, in social work and like helping people through those experiences, if not just for the, yeah, that you've had so much of that personal experience and that ability to bring, bring that perspective into your work. So um, thank you. And you as well. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we got this. We got this. We got this. Exactly. I just want to say one more thing, which is that I am not an expert. I'm not here to tell people how to grieve or heal or what death is or isn't. My main goal with this project is simply to create space for us to share our stories about death and dying, and from that collective experience, enable all of us to feel less alone in facing the challenges of grief and loss. Thank you for listening, for being brave and vulnerable, and for your time. Any questions or comments, please get in touch with me. I'd love to hear from you and perhaps share your story too.